This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. You know what I love about the Word of God, and it happens every time I, I open up my Bible and I study, everything is connected. If you've ever seen that movie, um, Beautiful Mind, I think it's old, but you know like how when he would go crazy and he would have like everything on the walls and he like everything's connected, you know, like that's how I feel about the Word of God. When I, when I get in and I start studying, I get almost crazed and I'm, you know, I'm circling and I'm highlighting and I'm underlining and I'm like, everything is connected. And that's why Alice, that, that offering hit my heart, not because you were talking about my story, but because it really is all connected. Offering and giving is connected to our relationship with God. And I just want to dive in tonight. Um, Donna, you can just put up that first slide. So you just hit slide one, play from current slide. And this week it's going to work. But I want to dive in and I want to just, I want to look at John eight thirty two. John eight thirty two. Holy Spirit called an audible and Look at my Bible. Do you guys, like, I've got it. It already has duct tape, and now it's just, it's all good. <laughs> Let's see if it's the page that came out. All right, here we go, 832. Hmm? Oh, or your device. You know, it's funny, when I'm up here, I have to have my actual Bible. But, like, on a Sunday, I don't bring my Bible. But if I'm teaching, I have to have my Bible. I can't have it. I can't, I don't trust the device. Not intimate with it. John eight thirty two, and you shall know the truth. This is Jesus. He says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Know the truth. Know the truth. If you've heard me speak of this scripture before, know is that when you look at the Greek word, it is a Jewish idiom for intercourse. So it's not a knowing here, but it's an intimate knowledge. You can't have an intimate knowledge of something unless you are intimate with it. Now, again, I like, I want you all to say stuff, right? Like, I like that kind of interaction. I'm not looking for, like, correct and right answers. I'm just looking, you know, whatever's in your heart. So feel free to talk back. It's a knowing, an intimate knowledge. So when you are intimate with the truth, who is the truth? Jesus. When you are intimate with the truth... That will set you free. So it's not a knowledge here, but it's an intimate knowledge. That is what sets us free. And that's what my whole thing last week was about, is that when you are intimate with Jesus, that is what sets us free. And that's what he wants for us, freedom. Right? Everything I said, it wasn't about right and wrong. Remember? It's about knowing him. That's what sets us free. An intimate relationship with him is what sets us free, not a checking off of this and that, and I did this right, and okay, so now I'm free. But it's an intimate knowledge. And when I was thinking this week, I thought, well, I wonder if some people thought about a certain scripture when I was speaking last week. You can hit the next slide. I was like, I wonder if anybody... Donna was thinking about the scripture that says it is impossible without faith. It is impossible to please God because that's a scripture that I think the enemy uses a lot to make us feel like we are not pleasing God. 
And one of the things about knowing, intimately knowing the truth is that when you're intimate with somebody, you know them. So I'm intimate with David. I know him intimately. So if somebody were to come and tell me something about him that I know is not true, I would not believe it. If you came to me and said, David is a disloyal liar. I would know you obviously do not know him. You're not speaking from a place of truth. You don't intimately know him because I know him. So I know that your words about him are not true. And so when I would hear this scripture taught, and it's taught a lot, when I would hear it taught, it would hit me and be like, yeah, no. Because it would be taught that he literally is not pleased with you. (laughs) And it would hit me, no, that's not the God I know. Because I intimately know God. I'm in an intimate relationship with him. And so when I heard it being taught in a way that God would ever be displeased with me, it hit me like, no, I don't know if we know the same God. And so I began to study because, and this is what I want to encourage you guys, is that when you're hearing, if it's me or whoever, when you're hearing things, and if it hits you a certain way, you go and find out for yourself. You know, because there might be certain words that teachers use that don't line up with the way you would describe something. Go and find out for yourself. And so when I would hear it taught that God was displeased with me, because I had always grown up knowing that God was pleased with me, regardless of what I do. Because of agape love, that is unconditional. That means no conditions. Literally no conditions. So when I would hear it taught that way, I'd be like, no, I need to study this because I want to be able to show people, right? Not just because of this is what I think, but I wanted to be able to show from the word that that's not what it's talking about, right? And that's why I love to look at the Greek because when you go a little bit deeper, you can see, oh, see, now I can explain to people, no, it doesn't mean he's not pleased with you because when we hear not pleased, we go to an English version of that, right? Which is, he is not pleased with me. He is not happy with me. And when somebody is not happy with me, they don't want to be with me. When you're not happy with somebody, do you want to be with them? When you're displeased with somebody, do you want to be around them? I don't. But when you look at the scripture, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When you look at it is impossible to please. It is that, can you guys, you guys can all see the screams from wherever you're sitting, right? I'm not even going to try to say it. But when you look at that, that word in the yellow there, it actually speaks of being impotent. To be impotent is like for a male to not be able to do what he was built to do which was to produce seed to create a baby. So when you're looking at this, that it is impossible to please, it means that without faith, without this relationship, you're never going to be able to do what you were created to do. So it's not that he's displeased. It's that you're not going to be able to be intimate with him. And that's what we were created to do. Why is it? 
that all of these scriptures that talk about faith and knowing God go to an intercourse place because a picture is being painted for us. These scriptures aren't just something nice that we come to on, on Sundays to hear or on Wednesdays to look at, or when I'm feeling particularly spiritual, I'm going to open up my Bible. Jesus or God by the Holy Spirit is showing us how to live this life. He is showing us how he built us. That's why when you hear people talk about it like a user manual, the Bible, these words, because that's what it is. God is showing us how to live. He is showing us how he built us. And we were built to take the word, to take the truth and let it be implanted inside of us. And to then to birth these truths into reality. Right? And so... It means that, so it's not that we're, he's displeased, it's just that we're not going to be able to do what we were created to do. And so then when you look at rewarder, that's another big Greek word I'm not going to try to say. It's one who pays wages or a rewarder. And then when you look at where that word came from, it was two different words. One, which is higher or wages, and the other was a conjugal duty. You guys, I don't try to talk about these things. This is what the word of God is saying. This is what he was using. He was using Greek words that at that day would give a picture, a graphic picture. Because in here, this is Hebrews. This is the letter being written to the Hebrews. Hey, look, this is what you guys thought it was all about. But no, here's what it's all about. So he's using words that are going to give them graphic pictures. You know? So here on Wednesday nights, we can be graphic. Which is funny because if, you know, if you knew me, like, I don't like talking about these things. But so he's a, re- but he's a rewarder. I mean, there's stories that my mom could tell you of things like I would going through puberty. I just would not talk about, but here I am talking about him on tape, but he is a rewarder. For those who diligently seek him, rewarder, he rewards us what? Conjugal duty. He's going to come and do what he was, his part of the deal. Which is he will take the truth and he will cause life to come. He's going to do it. Isn't this amazing? And that's why when you see in, in Luke 8, 11, it says, now the parable is this, right? So it's been the parable of all the different soils and the word and the seed going into the different soils, that, which is our hearts. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word, the logos of God. And so again, just kind of recapping logos, when you look at it, like we know that in John 1, 1, Jesus, the truth, right? Jesus, the word, he is the logos. And then when you look at how that word logos was originally used at the time by philosophers, it was, it was to designate the divine reason or plan to coordinate a changing universe, right? So the plan, right? So the seed is the plan of God, this seed. So God comes with everything that he has planned, his plan for the universe, This is the seed. This is the seed comes in. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the logos of God. These things come in. And then what happens? Faith comes by hearing the word, the rhema. So we take the logos. It gets planted in. We're intimate with God. And we birth the rhemas. So all that to say, God is pleased with you. He wants you so bad. He wants to reward you. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 
So that was just another thing to show. So if that scripture can never be used to make you feel like God is not pleased with you. He is, he wants to reward us. He wants us to do what we were built to do. And so you can go to the next slide. So this again, because what? Oh, I didn't know. Um, I put this slide up again because we were built to take in truth and then to give life to it, right? To birth it into this realm. But that's what we were built to do. So we are constantly taking things in and giving birth regardless of whether it's of God or not of God. And that's why I put this meditation, I put this picture up here again, because we need to realize that this is, we are meditating all the time. Whether it is on the things of God or whether it's on not things of God. We are constantly meditating. And that's why when you look at, you can go to the next scripture or the next slide, sorry. And that's why when you look in Psalms 1, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. See, God is showing us. He knows that we're meditating all the time because this is how he built us. We're all, it's always going, is it not? It's always going. God knew that it was always going, that we were always meditating, that we were always pondering, that we were always thinking. And so he's showing us through these words from David. He says, and in his law, so God's law, he meditates day and night. So if we're meditating on God's law, which then if you go down there, what is the law that we have now? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay? So it's, it's not the law of sin and death anymore. It's not the old law. Our law that we meditate on day and night is the law of the spirit of life. So when we meditate on that day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season. What were we called? What were we built to do? To bring forth, to bring forth life, to bring forth fruit. So when we're meditating on the things of God, Right? When we're allowing the truth, remember the truth sets us free. When we're meditating on the truth day and night, we will be like trees planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaves also shall not wither, and whatsoever he shall, whatever he does shall prosper. See, God is showing us if we meditate on his truth, on the law of the life of the spirit of Jesus Christ, I'm saying it all wrong, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. He's showing us what to do because he knows, see, here's the thing. We don't choose. I don't just choose all time. I'm not meditating right now. No, I always am just like, because I was built. Now I keep going back here because the parallel, God is giving us a parallel of a picture of what, you know, of, of a husband and a wife in that relationship, an intimate relationship right? In our relationship with him. I am built to have babies. That's what my body was built to do. 
So if I go out and I'm intimate all over the place, I'm going to have a bunch of babies. Because it's what I was built to do. The same thing. If we are constantly being intimate with things that are not of God, we have intimate relationships with things that are not of God all the time. And I'm not saying this to make you, we just have to understand, right? It's like health class. It's like spiritual health class. You know what I mean? We have to realize that you're having intimate relationships all the time. And if you're having intimate relationships with things that you shouldn't be, you're going to give life to things that you don't want. But you know what? God is so good. Abraham, he, he went ahead and just decided I'm going to do it my way. And he has Ishmael. It didn't stop God from accomplishing the plan that he had set forth. And so we don't have to feel bad. It's just, let's realize, right? Let's get in control of what we're thinking about. And I believe Heather's going to be thinking, talking about thinking and all of that, right? So I'm not going to go into that. But this is why we are meditating all the time. We are being intimate with things all the time. So we just need to realize, right? You can go to the next slide. And so because we're meditating all the time and we're thinking about things all the time, expectations, we build expectations, correct? When we start thinking about things and an expectation is built. And what exactly is an expectation? It's a belief that something will happen or is likely to happen. So whatever we're thinking about all the time, that's the expectation that is being built inside of us. So if I'm filling myself with truth and life, what is my expectation going to be? Truth and life. If I'm filling myself with doom and gloom, what is my expectation going to be? Doom and gloom. Now, in the Bible, the word that we see all the time for this is hope. Right? This is an exciting word to me. Expectation. Expectation. When you have an expectation, you're like, you're ready, right? Like, think about kids when it's about to be Christmas. I mean, my kids, like, Eli is, like, ready for Christmas. Like, he's already ready for Christmas, right? The expectation is there that there's going to be something good, right? Expectation. You can go to the next slide, Donna. This is the, the Greek word for, for hope is elpis, which is expectation of evil, fear, expectation of good or hope. So there can be a hope for good things in there that can be a hope for bad things, right? There's a hope both ways, And so, again, this is why it's so important to realize how we're built. Because an expectation is like the first domino in a whole chain reaction. Right? It's like the first domino, first there's an expectation for something. Right? Again, let's talk about when you're pregnant. Right? You are expecting. You're expecting that I've got this baby even before you can feel anything before you know anything is going on. You are expecting. You have an expectation that in nine months, there is going to be a baby, right? So you're expecting. 
there's an expectation. So then you start to prepare. If you're expecting something, you prepare for it, right? When you're expecting a baby, you start to prepare. Can I get an amen, Abel? See? See, he's expecting, but he's doing things because his expectation is, is that there's a baby coming. And so he starts to act as though there is a baby. When we have expectations, see, God knows that when we expect things, we're going to start acting as though it is the case. This is why he says, meditate on what? Truth and life. His law, the spirit of life, his truth. That's why know the truth and that sets you free. Know his truth, be intimate with his truth. Because he knows that whatever you fill yourself with, it becomes an expectation. You start to act as if it is so. And when you act as if something is so, what happens is, is it becomes so. Because that's how God built us. He built us amazingly and powerfully. Like we're created in his image. He is the creator. We are created in his image. We function as he functions. So he's a creator. We're a creator. So we're constantly creating. That is powerful. There's responsibility that comes with that. And that's why it's so beautiful that he shows us. He shows us how to carry the responsibility. How to create life. A life that we would want. Because just like I love my kids and when I see them doing things that aren't good, it breaks my heart. It's the same for him when he sees us creating lives that we, he knows aren't good for us. It breaks his heart. We are so powerfully made. That's why we're all sitting here right now, because we want a better understanding, right? Like, there's always more truth to set us free. There's always more truth. There's always, see, this is what I love. Relationships get deeper and deeper over time. And it's the same with, with our relationship with, with God. It gets deeper and deeper over time. Does it mean that we always feel it? No, just like, where did Alice, I don't know where she went. Alice was talking about, like, in, you know, she, she had stopped feeling a certain way. Relationships change. Relationships with God change. There's always more to know about God. And that's what excites me about this relationship. That's what excites me about a life of faith. And that's why I get excited every time. I, even though these notes, these slides, I've had them for years. But whenever I, I mean, every time I go back, I'm just as excited. 
And there's always more that he shows me. There's always more that he shows me. There's always more truth. And then you know what happens? I get more free. I get more free. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Actually, and then you can go to the, well, let me see if there's anything I want to see on there. Those are just, if you want to, those are just a whole bunch of hope scriptures that um, if you want to take a picture afterwards, we can. Let's go to the next one for, for time's sake. For time's sake, we'll look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, for the evidence of things not seen. So now faith, faith is the substance of the things hoped for. So faith is the actual substance of what you're expecting. Okay. And when you look at the, um, the Greek word there for substance, it is a setting or placing under uh, the thing, ha- that which has foundation is firm, that which has actual existence, okay? So faith is a substance of the things that we have hoped for. So, right, so we have an expectation, but now faith is the actual substance, the actual foundation of the things that we have been expecting, okay? And what I think is so cool if you now go to Hebrews 1, and it's not on a slide, so Hebrews 1. You guys still with me? Hebrews 1, I'll read verses 1 to 3. So remember, so faith is the substance, the actual existence. It gives actual, like, I love that, existence. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, the image of his person, that word person there is that same word for substance. So, what we're expecting will eventually become actual life. That's why even hope is such a powerful word. What we are expecting will eventually become actual substance. So there's two sides of this, right? So when our expectation, when we are meditating, when we are pondering, when we are thinking on life, on the truth, that's what we have. But we know that God is showing us in all of these different scriptures, all my, you know, the crazy little beautiful mind, everything is connected. It's all connected and God is showing us. He's showing us over and over again. You will produce. You will produce. What you expect will have actual substance.
So the next slide. I love this illustration when talking about hope. Um, Charles Capps. Who here has ever heard of Charles Capps? Love Charles Capps. Fantastic. I love just looking at pictures of him. I know that sounds weird, but he's fantastic. But he always talked, he talked, when he would teach about hope, he would talk about hope. Hope is a goal setter. Your expectations are setting, remember, because our expectations become actual substance, become actual things. And so we're setting a goal. When we have expectations, it's like we're setting a goal for something, right? You can do the next slide. Just like when in your house, when you have, you have a thermostat, right? If you have an AC, if you have an AC unit, you have a thermostat. What happens? You set it to a certain temperature. You have an expectation that that is where the temperature is going to get to, right? When I bought, me and David bought our house that we're in now, it was a foreclosure. And the people had taken the thermostats. So we have this AC unit. All the capability to create heat, to create cooling, but there was nothing to set the temperature. So all this capability, all this power sitting there, but there was nothing to set it. See, our hope sets an expectation for where we're going to go. So that's why don't set aside hope. Don't act like it's somehow less than. This is all part. This is all part of how we were built. Right? Nothing like hope, belief, faith, right? These three words, hope, belief, faith. One is not less than the other. They're all part of it. Just like, I mean, my arms and my legs, everything is just as important. It's all part of my being. It's all part of my body. This is all part of how we were made, right? It starts with a hope. We have an expectation. You get into the word. What happens? An expectation is set. You get, you find truth. You find the promises. And so you have an expectation for good. So the thermostat is set. They're set. So then what happens? You start doing things that are on that direction, that are on that course. You can go to my next slide. Did I already say that? Yeah, go to the next one. So this is my little chart. Hopefully faith. See, these are all just parts of it. And I threw in there um, confession and, and meditation. Hope and expectation and then belief. So when you look at belief, belief is actually the verb form of pistis. And it's to be persuaded of the truth or existence of, right? And then you have faith, which is, we've, I've talked about it's conviction of trust, or truth, trust, assurance, a firm belief, a conviction, right? And so when I think about this and I think about how we were built, right? So you have an expectation, you have a hope. And so what happens is you start to homologeo that, right? You start to talk, you talk, that's what you, how you speak with that expectation. So if you have an expectation for long life and for health and prosperity. And so then what would your confession be? Remember, because I talked about confession last week is homologeo, which is to say the same thing as, right? And so when we see in Romans 10, 10, that the confession 
um, unto salvation. So confession unto health and deliverance and safety and preservation, all of these things. So that's when we have, when that's what we're saying the same thing as, we're setting a course. We're speaking things out. We're doing what we were created to do. So what happens when that, when you start to talk a certain way, a belief is formed. All of a sudden you go from it being an expectation to you're persuaded. I believe that. I believe that prosperity is mine. Right? And so what I like to think here is you believe, I believe that that chair will hold me. But it doesn't mean I'm going to sit in it. I believe it's going to hold me. So all of a sudden I believe that um, prosperity is mine. I believe it's mine. But then what happens is, is this is everything. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm saying I'm homologeoing the truth. I'm homologeoing that I am prosperous. I am saying the same things that God says about my financial life, about prosperity for me. I believe that it's mine. What happens? All of a sudden, it goes into this is the reality. I have given birth. See, this is how we were created. All of these things working together. Like I said last week, not these separate little pieces of a Christian life. But this is a picture God is giving. This is who we are. And so expectation, expectation goes to, I believe that it is the truth. And then it goes through, I have birthed this thing. I am prosperous. This is my truth. This is my life. This is how we were built. This is amazing. This is, I mean, you guys should be excited. And I know that you are. And this is happening all the time, whether we want it to or not. Remember, it doesn't just happen because all of a sudden now I want it to happen. This is happening all the time because it's how we were built. We don't just stop doing what we were built to do. And this is why it's so important that we understand. That we're always creating expectations. That we're always then living from those expectations. And then from living from those expectations, creating things. Right? All right, you can go to the next scripture. And one of the things I'm going to finish with this tonight is, is, is patience. Faith and patience. When you look in um, vines, patience is to abide under, to remain, persistent, perseverance. Quality of not surrendering to circumstances. Quality that does not succumb under trial. trial, Steadfastness, consistency, endurance. See, we we would love for things to happen immediately, right? Okay, I've got my expectation from the truth. I am going to confess it like five times. And now I believe it's so, and now it's happening. All in the matter of 24 hours. We would love for that to be the case. And sometimes it is. But sometimes, for me, a lot of times I feel like it's not. That's why it says faith and patience. Faith and patience 
they're Kenneth Copeland power twins. I think that's what there was like a, he called them. With faith, see, you can't, you don't lose hope. You don't lose the expectation in the walking out of. Right? Because things sometimes take time. Abraham was given a promise. And it took time. And he didn't even get to see the full completion of that. I just want to see which scripture I want to end with. Hmm. Let's go to, I want to look at 1 Peter 1, 3 to 7. 1 Peter... Let me just look at it real quick. First Peter 1. What'd you say, Mom? Well, it's all good. First Peter 1. If I would be in the right spot. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope a living expectation through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Well, it's ours now because we have heaven now. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that that perish, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. being much precious, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire. We feel like, who here has ever gone through anything? Anything. You stood, and here you are. You stand knowing the truth. That's why know the truth and the truth will set you free. In the times when you can't see it, it is the intimate knowing of the truth that keeps you. Eli was in chemotherapy for three and a half years. I stood knowing that the truth was life, regardless of what it looked like. Because I had been given a promise that the fruit of my womb was blessed. Right? So I had the expectation. And I was walking out the reality of he will have life 
regardless. Patience. Did I need patience? You better believe I needed patience. And you better believe there were times I went to God and I said, do you know what you said? Because it's not looking like it. But you said that the fruit of my womb is blessed. And that's what I stand on. That's what causes me to be able to be patient when you have the truth. Now, when you find yourself in times and you haven't got the truth. See, this is why God tells us it's so important to meditate on the truth day and night. Because you know what? You know, before that happened with Eli, it was like, I mean, I learned so much. And I know it's going to sound really ridiculous for me to say, but I, I'm not happy I went through it, but I'm really happy with everything that I learned going through it because I'm a completely different person. I was going somewhere and it totally left my brain. totally gone I don't know all I know is this is that it is in those times oh I know because you don't want to wait until you're in those times okay that was where I was going that I already I the truth I hadn't been met I had already meditated on the truth for my life for my entire life meditating on the truth Knowing that God was a God of life, that he is not a God who takes away. And I know that other people's stories are different. And that this was Eli's story. And this was the truth that he had given to me. And in speaking of, and I, and I, I want to share this, and I know I've, I've shared it before, but this is what I think is so powerful and why I'm so thankful that I know the things that I've known and that I've been raised here and that I've had this revelation for a long time of even just the homologeoing of saying the same thing as, is that when you're impressed to say certain things, say them. Yeah. Is because before Eli was diagnosed, from the time he was born, I would feel a compulsion to go in and pray over him every single night that his, the blood that flowed through his body was blessed, that he had supernatural blood. And if you know, leukemia is a cancer of the blood. And so it was a compulsion to the point where I did it every single night. And if I didn't do it, I would feel almost like OC, OCD. Like I had to go in and I had to say it. And if you know, you don't want to wake up babies, but here I was going back in and I was doing it because I was, I knew how it was built and there was a compulsion. I have to say it. So I was constantly saying, because I am built to, to create I was saying the same thing as the truth, which the truth is, is that Eli's blood was blessed and is blessed and will always continue to be blessed. So then when a lie came that would come against the truth that I had already been saying. So when a lie came, I knew that this lie cannot prevail because I had been saying the same thing as the truth. This can be across the board in all situations. So when God is impressing on you, to speak things out, even if it does not make sense and you don't know why am I saying this, it's because he has created you to be his mouth 
And he wants you to speak things into existence. He wants you to say the same thing as him because he knows that when you say things, you are speaking as if he was saying it. You are speaking as his voice. This is what you were created to do. This is why I've taught about all of these things the last two weeks, because this, these aren't just these random little things that float out there that are Christian words that we talk about and that are in scriptures. No, this is who you are. This is how you were built. It's all working together. It's all, this is what you're always doing, guys. It's always happening. You are always creating whether you want to or not. That's why it's so important. It's so important. What we look at, what we fill ourselves with, what we feed on. You know, when God tells us these things in scriptures, it's not because he wants to suck the fun out. Like he's some God up there with a big beard and he's like, you're not going to have fun. No, here's the rules. No, it's because he loves you so much that he doesn't want your heart to be broken. He doesn't want you to have to go through things that you don't have to go through. Father God, we just thank you for the truth. We thank you that you are setting us freer and freer and freer and freer. And then in that freedom, you are showing us how to live. Amen.